This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and on this very nippy patch of weather in Orange, thanks for snuggling up, keeping warm and tuning in for the latest episode of the Orange Podcast. Some more stories coming to you this week from behind the scenes at Orange City Council. This week, we'll find out how you can have your say as we think about whether or not the inner city of Orange should have its own Eats Street. And you've probably noticed just how sodden the ground is outside. The good news is we're inching closer to water overflowing the dam wall at Sumer Park Dam. And some engineers who watch that sort of thing very closely are very, very pleased. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. The process of upgrading our CBD is continuing. If you've walked around the CBD lately, you would have seen work happening in McNamara Street, in Lord's Place, in Bing Street. What can happen next? Well, the, well, the process of looking forward to the next project is begun. Um, we're still discovering which one it might be. But what if it was the block of Lord's Place between Kite Street and Summer Street? Um, there's already some eateries there. I wonder if that could shape what's happening. We've started to ask the community what they think. A couple of community forums were held this week, and to find out more, Orange City Council was the engagement officer, Ellie Bryce. Ellie, what happened at those community forums? Was there a good turnout? Look, Alan, we had two community forums. The first one was for business and landowners. That was on Monday night, and the Tuesday night one was open to the, the wider community. I'll be honest with you, I wish I wish we had a few higher in numbers. Um, yeah. We had about six total that was over the two nights. But I think we've got to remember with COVID and things, yep. it does scare people off. When you're trying to run a face-to-face forum in the middle of a pandemic, we've got to ask them. So that process is uh, has begun anyway. We'll look for other ways of doing it. So what have you found out so far? Alan, the main things that came out of there is... I guess we're all on the same page because I sort of thought there might have been a difference between business and landowners' values versus the community, but it seems like we're all beginning to be on the same page. So we're hearing things like safety down in Lord's Place is important, so sort of getting more pedestrian-friendly infrastructure, lighting, but as you said earlier, they really see this as the eat street. Hmm. If you looked at a single block anywhere in our CBD that had the most eateries in it, it would be that one. Mm, certainly. I, I would agree, and a lot of others do too. How can we make the more of that? The, the big long-term trend that's happened in other parts of Australia is outdoor dining. It's tough in a place like Orange, but they seem to manage it in cold places like Canberra and the South Coast. We've found ways have been invented to make uh, cold places have an all-year-round economy, a nighttime economy. Is that the sort of stuff that might be looked at? Yes, certainly. So people made the comment that the uh, parklet, that we call it, down at Lord's Place, out the front of Cremer there, is really good, but it's not for all-year-round purposes. So maybe it's outdoor dining, but in a more a more permanent sort of a way um, that then allows people to dine out in the footpath. One of the things that came up at that forum is bringing the community up to speed on a thing called the SJB Community Conversation. A couple of years ago now, Orange City Council hired some urban designers, bringing a range of expertise together, talking through some options with the, with the local community and with councillors. Um, the, what, are the, what are the key points that came out of that that you've been reminding the community about to, that might help them shape the discussion this time? Hmm. Three main things, Alan. We've got attract, compact and walkability. What are they about? So we're talking with attract to make the CBD a more attractive place for people to come, spend more time in, spend more money. Compact is 
sort of facing reality that we can't keep spreading out into our suburbs. So it's trying to make the CBD a more attractive place to live and work. And the final one is walkability. So at the moment, we're used to driving our cars to right out the front of the shop. What if we could still do that, but at a place that might be a multi-storey car park quite close by? So then we could walk more freely around the CBD. And if people are walking, they're probably going to stay for a while, get a bite to eat. Uh, maybe go to a local pub for a beer and then walk around and do some more shopping. And spending more time in an attractive place if those uh, options are there. So that might mean uh, currently our CBD is pretty well dominated by the car. Um, if you looked up the, the square meterage, lots of it is about roads, uh, cars driving past. That's for historical reasons as much as anything else. If we swung the balance away from roads towards footpaths, that's something that could be explored for that block of Lord's Place. Mm. And we're seeing a bit of a trend with people thinking the same thing. I think at the moment the road's roughly 30 metres wide. Half of that is road. So if this is going to be our each street, our destination, then why don't we explore things like wider footpaths, as we said, outdoor dining, trees potentially in the middle of the street, make it a place where people want to walk around, not just drive their car down there. So you've had a couple of face-to-face forums. Um, What's the next step of finding out the views of the community? So the next step is to start engaging a little more closely with our businesses because ultimately they're the ones that are impacted most heavily. But then it's to go online and get the wider community view. We're working on launching our Your Say site today. Um, So I hope everyone keeps an eye out for that. We'll boost it on our social media and things and we ask that they jump on and have their say so then those comments can be considered for the design. Usually the council has a a long-term pattern of coming up with some plans and then asking the the community. Why do you think the council is taking a different approach? Is it about um, tapping into the community earlier on, avoiding some mishaps along the track? It certainly is, Alan. I guess um, as we move along with the CBD revitalisation, it's it's new to everyone involved, so we're learning along the way. But I guess one of our key learnings is that um, we need them involved right from the beginning so then we know what to design rather than sort of assuming and then backtracking, having to make changes. And this process then makes it easier for our, you know, our technical services team that end up having to build it because they know what they're building based on what the community want. That depends on the community putting their hand up and and coming forward and having their say at a time when there's nothing particularly concrete up to to discuss or to criticise even. Um, it means floating some fairly con- some broad concepts rather than concrete plans. Is that that's going to be harder for the community? It will be. It will be. But I guess what we're asking at this point is just to s- let's start. Let's make a start. So keep it broad. Tell me, you know, tell us what you're after down there. Is it the eateries? Is it you know a bit of parking? Is it whatever? Not tree A in this particular spot. Just more the themes. How you want that street to feel and be like in the future. And people can have their say by going to Your Say Orange website, look that up on Google, um, and watching a video, looking at some options just about how they can best have their say. Ellie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Alan. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. If you've stuck your head outside the door any time over this weekend, you would have noticed it's what you'd loosely call a bit damp. That's a bit hard if you want to go outside and do things, but terrific news if you're the manager of Orange's system of water. Joining us is Wayne Beatty. Wayne, how delighted are you that it's still coming down over the weekend? Uh, very delighted, uh, Alan. Yeah, it's it's really good news for the town, I think. Going back 18 months, two years, when we were down to 23%, that puts a bit of stress on, a, on the team who are doing stuff? 
Absolutely. You know, we're, we're running around at that point, you know, operationally trying to solve problems, trying to reduce water use across the town. So uh, that was trying times, but uh, but now we can sort of um, not put our feet up. We, we, we really need to think about going forward yep. and, and develop up something more strategically about how we improve and, and make our water supply even more secure. Sure. Okay, let, let's look what's happened in the last couple of weeks. A weekend or so ago, we were up to eighty percent. This weekend, what's the new what's the new number? The new number, as we speak, is uh, around about ninety three percent, or fractionally below ninety three percent. Now we've had this rainfall uh, over the last day or so. They're predicting, I think, snow tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's got to help on a saturated catchment. So. Situation. We may we may even get up to the magic one hundred percent, Alan. Okay, uh, is anyone in, in your department putting bets on when that water will start not, to flow over Simmer Park Dam? Not not as yet, but I think I might get a book going on that one. <laughs> How soon? Weeks, days? I you know given forecasts, um, yeah, a few people we're we're indi- indicate round about that week a week away. So perhaps this time next week. Let's break that down a bit more. So we we're on ninety three percent of total capacity. Simmer Park just just gone over 90%. So there's another 10% of Super Park to fill up before it flows over the dam wall. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, so um, we're anticipating, say in the last last week to a fortnight, we've storages have gone up by around about 10 12%. Mm. So if we get that again or, or even less than that, uh, we should topple over the, the 100% mark. It's a cause for celebration. It's also time to, to look back on the lessons we've learned about uh, using less water than we than we have going back 30 or 40 years. Um, when we got to that 80% mark, I gather we moved to a thing called permanent water saving standards rather than level two. It's essentially level two with some a couple of tweaks to it. Could you look forward in a couple of weeks' time when the water's running over Summer Park Dam, there's more water than we can use. Why should we still have water saving? Uh, it's just good practice, just good practice to always have that at back at back of mind all of the time. Um, reducing water use, um, you know, our, our storages will last longer. Um, so it's just good habits and, and a good culture to have within within the town. And that exists already mm. uh, through what we've had to be, go through. Um, so we just want to maintain that across the town, that's all. We don't want people to become a little bit... Um, uh, complacent. We've learned some very good habits. We've now designed our gardens to work on less water. We're used to the idea of only watering every couple of days if we need to. No one's watering this week because of the snow. Uh, but, but they're good habits that we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, if you like. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so just doing things. Um, you know, uh, there's no need, obviously, this time of year to to, to be watering at all, really, uh, outside, other than pot plants and things that may be under um, under pergolas and that. Um, so, so yeah, uh, there should be our water use at the moment is quite quite low. Uh, but then coming into the spring, we need to start thinking about how we're using out water outside the house. I wonder if anywhere else in Australia has these sorts of things. I guess it, it's the sort of thing that would be very commonplace if you're on a farm and you had a tank. You can see how much water you've limited you've got. But in a place like Orange, where there's you know we're, we're, in a couple of weeks' time, our the water will be flowing over our damn wall. 
Um, it's pretty rare that a community is, makes a stand to say, actually, we, we, we want to have sustainable, sensible water use. Yeah, yeah. like you said before, and, and I agree, we, we just have to maintain that culture and that those habits going forward. We don't want to lose what we've, what we've got to uh, at this point in time. But in the meantime, uh, a major landmark, 18 months after drought, to get closer to that water flowing over the dam. Does the water crew have any, have any plans to celebrate that event, <laughs> Wayne? Um, yeah, there's a few of us going for a... For a quick drink this afternoon after after work, so uh, that'll be celebrating the the ninety percent mark. Um, in predicting that we hit the hundred percent mark next Friday, we'll be going for a few more. Thanks for your time, Wayne. Okay, thanks, Alan. And thanks for joining us for the show this week. And a special call out to listeners who catch the program each week on Orange Community Radio. Glad you're enjoying it. Remember, you can download this show from the Orange City Council website or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, for the Orange Podcast, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.